Welcome back, and we're splintering back to another episode of 12 Monkeys. Man, this show just keeps getting crazier and crazier. You know, we talked about last week how uh, last week's episode was pretty personal, very emotional, very heavy on the emotion. And this week just kept it going. A lot of craziness, a lot of loopiness, pun intended, uh, in this episode. Uh, but before I kick things off into uh, high gear and discussion here, Let's just get into some introductions. Um, I'm your host, Pacing Pete, alongside always from the Marvel Report, from the Flash Podcast, and from com- Comic Book Resources, Miss Lauren Galloway. What's up, Lauren? Hey, Pete. Oh, man, so much to get into, Lauren. I mean, I, h- how are you feeling after this episode? Because I'm a little, like I said, loopy here. I'm not going to lie. I <laughs> sobbed. <laughs> throughout like the last five or six minutes like inconsolable like oh, i can't believe this is happening it was yeah. so beautiful and so well done and i didn't see it coming and i loved it you know it's it's uh just i gotta say great writing in this episode um great way to bring out the feels because you definitely hit it in the fi- last like lauren said the last five minutes of this episode are just so moving and so touching uh, for one of our characters in particular. Um, but before we get into that, um, let's jump into the core of the, of the show here, of this episode, which was Katarina sending Cassie back to kill her in 2020 in hopes that this would prevent everything from happening. So, you know, I know we talked earlier in the season about how, uh, you know, Cassie... Very first episode is Splinter back. They think, you know, she kills Jennifer. Everything is fine. You know, same mentality Cole had in the first season. Kill Leland. Everything's fine. As we've learned, you can't just do that. And Cole even tells Katarina in this episode, you can't just, you can't play God. You can't just, you know, decide because you feel this is what we should do. This is, this is what you want to do. You can't do that. Um, Lauren, what did you think of, of Katarina's motivation and how after what happened last week and, and, and losing Dr. Eklund and then seeing what Ramsey went through, what did you think of her motivations to pretty much have herself killed off? Well, like her opening monologue was incredible. I mean, she's reading out of Hamlet. She's reading the to be or not to be soliloquy. And, you know, the undiscovered country, which, of course, is a Star Trek reference. Thank you, Travis mm-hmm. and Terry. Mm-hmm. You know, that references heaven. I mean, the undiscovered country that you do not return from, that is the afterlife. This is Hamlet's suicide speech. And so, <laughs> like, thinking about that after you see, like, what she tells Cassie to do... Jones is done. I mean, she has, like, her hope meter is completely empty. And so much so that she's willing to essentially assassinate herself in the timeline. And I think having her recite Hamlet was a really powerful way to open the episode because, I mean, that, like, the mental state that Hamlet was in after his father passed and after his life was crumbling around him in that play that's where like, that's headspace that Katarina is in right now. And it's dangerous for Jones to be suicidal because this is Jones mission. This is her project. <laughs> and like, you know, if Cole is having a bad day, that's one thing. If Cassie's having a bad day, that's one thing. But for a particle physicist to have a bad day, <laughs> that's not good. And so it was really sad to see that, just that the that the red forest kind of swallowing time and 
Jones losing Eklund and her having to watch Ramsey lose someone that he loves again. I think I think it's a fitting state of mind for Katarina to be in because she's just tired because she sent Cole and Cassie back through so many times and nothing that they do seems to be making any changes. And I think she's like, well, I invented time travel, so you might as well just take me out of the equation, which might seem selfless from her perspective, but really it's selfish because she doesn't want to hurt anymore. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about this last week. I think you said it, Lauren, you know, you know, uh, about losing hope. And, 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 you know, we see that in this episode, not just with Katarina, but, when Cassie is, is splintered back to 2020 and she goes on her mission and Cole does intercept her, you know, she's all about the mission. Once again, just like in the first episode, she's all about just the mission. And really there seems to be no hope coming from her. Any, any, any kind of, any sense of hope is, is lost because of everything that's happened because of everyone that's been lost because of all the tragedy that's happened. Cassie, just like Katarina is done. And, and, you know, she, you know, Katarina says just, take me out cassie's like okay maybe this will make maybe even i can go back to whatever it is i was supposed to be doing you know in 2020 2016 2044 whatever she was meant to do she's just done and but but like i said cole is is right there to you know try to to stop this but there seems to be a glitch in the matrix uh so to speak every time cassie goes back to shoot um katarina it's like somebody hits the reset button and she's exactly where she was when she first splintered in. Uh, you know, the first time she, the first time the reset buttons hit, then Cole's next to her and continuously this happens and over and over again. And Lauren, I know you're a big Star Trek fan. I'm a big Star Trek fan. The first thing that came to my mind when I saw this was, uh, there was an episode in season five called cause and effect where the enterprise is getting blown up over and over and over again. To, the, to which they finally figure out that there is a way to prevent this. Were you getting those kind of vibes as well or from any other movie that you've seen before that do, that did something similar? Yeah, I mean, my, my initial thought was, oh, look, it's a Groundhog Day episode. <laughs> you know, which Groundhog Day really was kind of the first, yeah. like, feature-length film to, to kind of highlight the idea that, like, a person can relive the day. And like, <laughs> Bill Murray, you know, he stars in that movie. He he keeps his memories intact every day he lives. So he gets to make different choices. And I think, you know, his journey in that story was very personal and he fell in love. And I think he was dating, who was it? Andy McDowell. And then, you know, we've seen it kind of manifest in really good sci-fi stories like Star Trek, the next generation. And what's great about that cause and effect episode is that it was written by Brandon Braga, who is an incredible Star Trek writer. He's currently on Salem. Um, and it was directed by Jonathan Frakes, you know, who plays Riker and, and Frakes has directed episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Librarians. And I know that the writers of 12 Monkeys have a great connection to, to Star Trek as well. So, like, it's cool to see nods to Star Trek just kind of, like, right out in the open. Like, yep, we're going to do a Con Effect episode. Um, it also reminded me a lot of the Tom Cruise, Emily Blunt movie, Edge of Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. especially because they had to die to end the day. Like in Groundhog Day, I think Bill Murray just had to go to sleep and his day would reset. But in Edge of Tomorrow, like Emily Blunt had to keep shooting Tom Cruise like to reset the day every time it didn't work out what they were trying to do. Mm-hmm. And like Cole and Cassie, they died so many times in this episode. Yeah, 
yeah, I think I think the concept of death kind of lost its feeling after the fourth or fifth time they got reset. So. Yeah, I really did. So it was cool to see that. I mean, especially on a show that's about time travel, it's cool that like the whole series isn't like Edge of Tomorrow. Like the whole series isn't about resetting the day, but they can take these not tropes, but they can take these other examples of time travel in fiction and infuse them into an episode here and there, which I really liked. You know, and while we got to see Cassie and Cole, you know, uh, go, uh, go through this loop so many times, we got to see somebody that, um, we haven't seen in like an episode or so. And that was Jennifer. And, you know, uh, the thing about seeing her, the thing about seeing Cole and Cassie in 2020 was it's almost like she was expecting them. Um, you know, she was, you know, I love, oh God, I love Emily Hampshire's portrayal of this character because she just cracked me up. I mean, she, I know that she's supposed to come off as this like kind of crazy person cause she's a primary and she sees things so she hears voices, but her chemistry with them and the way she acts is so funny to watch because she seems, I don't want to say smarter than, smarter than them, but she seems so much more maybe ahead of the game because she knows what's coming. She knows what's going on. I mean, every time that they split her back, she's like, oh, look, it's round two. Just, you know, it's just these little funny lines that she drops in that just makes her so much fun of a character. But what did you think of her being there and acting as, you know, kind of the kind of a cheat sheet for Cole to figure out how they can get out of this loop and and somehow get back to 2044? I think that was really cool. I love the fact that Jennifer is all over time and she's almost like a constant in a way because she is always there when they need her. So I thought that was really cool to see her show up in the facility. <clears throat> no, um, we got to see uh, other characters that we haven't seen in a long time, even, especially since uh, season one, we got to see uh, Colonel Foster who's played by Xander Berkeley again. Um, you know, what, what did you think of seeing them introduce the scrubs? Or, I'm sorry, Scabs, uh, because that's what we know them as in the first season. You know, that's who Ramsey and, and, and Cole were, were with, these group of people who were survivors. Um, did you think that was kind of cool to see that they were using that terminology in 2020, you know, whereas we just saw it in 2044? Yeah, and the way that they asked her, how did you get around the West 7 quarantine zone? Oh, yeah. so that's why Deacon's called the West Seven. I really like that we got to go back to a time that we hadn't seen before, and we got to see characters that we haven't seen in a long time. Yeah, and 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 you know, like you said, talking about the West Seven, just little like little nuggets of of uh, Easter eggs, just kind of thrown in and out about of the episode, and, and kind of just uh, opening up the world a little bit more of the Twelve Monkeys, and then. You know, just uh, seeing these things back in like 2020, it's just it's just kind of cool to see these referenced over a little bit over and over again. It's just really fun. Um, now, we were talking about how this is such an emotional uh, emotional episode uh, because it's so it's so heavy on emotion, and one of the big reasons for that, or maybe even the biggest reason, is their attempt, Cole and, and Cassie's attempt to save Katarina's daughter because. As we saw, each time they splintered, it was just sadly Katarina seeing her daughter die over and over again. Um, what did you think of their decision decision to, to to try and save Katarina's daughter, even though they couldn't? Every time they went back to try and and kill 
Katarina or Cassie did, it didn't work. Did you think that that would actually work, that they would alter the timeline the way it did? No. I mean, like, that whole scenario was so interesting because they kept trying different things to do. They tried to save her, and it didn't work. They tried to kill Jones, and it didn't work. They tried so many different things. And I love that Jennifer was like, just looking at Cole and giving him the business. Like, this is what you do. This is who you are. <laughs> you know, you're the hope. You know, you need to figure out how to make this work. And she was like, do something and do nothing. And she just looked at him all cryptically. <laughs> I loved that. And, like, just the way that it all played out at the end was so profound and so incredible that this might be one of my favorite episodes yet. Yeah. It. it oh, man. Just... You know, when you have that moment when they go to Jennifer's group, the daughters, right? Is yeah. That the daughter? yeah. Yeah, and, the daughters. And, yeah, and and you just have that reveal of, of Hannah being with them the whole time. Like, I I didn't see that coming. I, you know, it, it just, it brings up a whole lot of questions. I don't know about you, but I'm sitting there thinking, so Hannah's been with the daughters this entire time, you know, and, and. It just it it just makes me wonder like who else could be hiding and, and maybe even daughters or or you know you know we talked last week about Sam being a witness and and his part and how he plays I mean what did you think of I mean what were your thoughts when when it was revealed that she was with them the whole time did you think that maybe I don't know I mean I I'm not sure how to ask this because even following that scene. Cole and Cassie were like, we hope she's not pissed at us because she lost, you know, 24 years with her daughter. Um, I mean, what were your thoughts when, when that was revealed? And also just thinking that all this time she's been with Jennifer and the daughters. Um, yeah, I was wondering, like, like how that works when you change something in the timeline. Like, did, does Hannah know that the whole time her mom was in the compound and that they had to just keep her or did they just tell her recently so that she wouldn't ever try to go find her? I mean, I think this really opens up a lot of possibilities for them to introduce Hannah's character into future episodes. And like, you know, Jones could be mad at them all she wants for the, like for the daughters keeping Hannah from her. But at the same time, like that's just not how time travel works. I mean, Hannah had been dead at least. So everyone thought up until that point. So, I mean, I, I think that Jones got her groove back. She got her spark back. She got her hope back. And now like, she's not like now her entire motivation is going to have to shift because before she was willing to save the world, like the past, the pre plague world because of Hannah, but Hannah didn't die from the plague and Hannah is still alive. And so Jones really has to look at the big picture that she's saving the world, not because of her personal attachment, but because it's the right thing to do. And, and hopefully that's the boost that she needs. That's the boost that they all need to like find the witness and fix time and kind of restore everything. You know, when, when they were uh, showing the scene of, uh, well, at least when Cole was explaining what they were doing as far as their plan to, to save uh, Hannah and to, you know, you know they like he was saying, they, they tried to kill Jones. It didn't work. They, they couldn't do anything to, to alter the timeline. But, but I guess you could say they did because they saved Hannah. Now, I guess 
let me just try and word this correctly so it's not confusing. When they were saving Hannah, when they were showing those flashbacks, I was waiting for um, some sort of, like, you know, whenever there's been, like, a paradox or some sort of, of shift in the timeline, people disappear. You know, there's some sort of, there's some sort of universal effect on all the characters. Um, and I didn't see that at all in this moment when we see them saving Hannah. Um, even up to the point when they give her uh, as a little girl to Jennifer and, and her followers. Now, when can we say, even though they're saying that this altered the timeline, could we say that seen as what we saw happen, it never had any kind of effect on the timeline at all? I think it did, but I don't think, I don't think we would have seen like, I think what we're supposed to believe is that Hannah was never dead to begin with. So mm, technically, okay. they didn't change the timeline. It's just that this was the first time they had ever gone back to save her. So for them, it was different. But, like, it wasn't really. Like, Hannah had always been alive, and Jones had to believe that for 24 years she was dead. Okay, I see. Which means Jennifer Goins knew the entire time that she was raising Jones's daughter, but that she couldn't say anything or tell her until whatever date, you know, she knew was coming somewhere in 2044. Now, even with the, you know, having the happy moment with, with Jones and her daughter, do you think that her knowing that she was with Jennifer all this time, do you think that'll, do you think that'll creep up somehow? Do you think that'll throw some sort of, you know, wrench into, into this thing and, and, and cause problems that, I don't know, I mean, you would just think that with with, ha with her getting her daughter back, it would almost be kind of like a clean slate for Jones in terms of moving forward. Do you think she's going to kind of keep, it's going to be going to be one of those things where she keeps it in her back pocket and maybe saves it for something for Jennifer down the line? Um, No, because I, I think she knows that Jennifer was protecting like, like she trusts, you know, what the messenger said to her about, like, if causality is your religion, woman, like, like, Jones knows what must be done in order to protect the timeline. And so I think she can respect Jennifer's decision to keep Hannah a secret, because everything had to play out exactly the way it has already played out to get them to the place where they are right now. Because if, if Jones had known that Hannah was alive, she would have never created time travel, but then if she never created time travel, then Cassie and Cole could have never had gone back to save her in the first place. So I think she understands causality enough that she won't hold that against Jennifer in the future. Um, now let's, let's, uh, just some quick little speculation here, but, um, when Cassie and Cole, I think it's the second time they split her back and, and they're put into the, um, area with the rest of the scabs that's when they first see uh jennifer and she's excited to see them like you said earlier you know she knows who they are and and she even gives them a little test she goes what do you guys think when i say the hyenas and they have no idea what she's talking about and she says oh well you guys haven't seen that yet do you have any idea what that could be or or i mean it's obviously code for something um but do you have any any ideas what it could be <laughs> Well, I think next week's episode is called Hyenas. So, oh, so we're going to get it right away. So we're, I think we're going to get it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Um, I just thought that was really funny because 
you know, you would think that somebody would just say, oh, do you remember this situation? Or that just, you know, Jennifer loves to talk in code. So it makes it kind of funny when, uh, when, when she, she doesn't play games with them, but that's just her way of communicating. And I just always enjoyed that about Jennifer. You know what uh, that reminded me of a lot? I mean, if any of our listeners are Doctor Who fans, and Pete, do you watch Doctor Who? I, I don't. Okay. I don't. So in the Matt Smith era of Doctor Who, he's the 11th Doctor, they introduce this woman who's Alex Kingston, who plays uh, Laurel Lance's mom on Arrow. You've yeah. seen her. Mm-hmm. So she plays this very mysterious character who who out of nowhere, and I won't spoil it for you because it's really cool if you ever watch the show, but essentially she and the doctor are very good friends. Let's just put it that way. (laughs) And they run into each other in and out of time. Like she showed up in an episode of David Tennant's run and like she knew all this stuff about him, but he had never met her before. And she was like, wait, are you telling me this is the first time we've met like for you? And he was like, yeah, I've never met you before. And so she's like, she keeps a diary. It's called the Diary of River Song. Her name is River Song. Mm-hmm. And she has to write down, like, when and where she meets the doctor. Because, like, her timeline is moving forward. Like, when she's 10 years old, she met him this time. When she's 12 years old, she met him this time. When she's 40, she meets him here. But because he's a time traveler, like, he's meeting her at different points in his life. Very much how Cole and Jennifer are meeting each other like jennifer is like the river song in this scenario like for jennifer she's living her life in one direction just straight you know Mm -hmm. forward but cole is like popping in and out and so there's like this this inside joke on doctor who that whenever the doctor and river song meet each other they both open their diaries and they both try to figure out where they are in each other's timeline and they will list off things just like jennifer did oh you know the um i forget what she said first like she lists three things like oh the uh, night room yes yeah I she, like she's the night room and then what times square and then the hyenas and the mm. like the Doctor and River Song, they do the same thing. They're like, oh, the, the Byzantium and uh, the Big Bang 2. And then there's always one that, like, maybe the other one doesn't know about yet. But their inside joke is called, I think it's Bill the Fish. And they always say, like, Bill the Fish. And then they look at each other and they laugh. <laughs> and that's not an episode of Doctor Who. Like, we'll never see what that means. But it's kind of like the hyena line, like something kind of random that we don't really, that the audience doesn't know about yet, but like these two characters know about. So I don't know if if the people who write for 12 Monkeys watch Doctor Who, but like Jennifer and Cole's relationship reminds me so much of the Doctor and River song, just in the way that they're always meeting each other out of time. (laughs) You know, uh, speaking of of relationships, you know, the the, uh, Katarina and her daughter moment wasn't the only thing to really drive home the emotion this week uh the other part was following that was cassie and cole's dialogue you know we we've been talking about this whole season how how these two have very much have a damaged relationship with everything that's happened uh you know we know that cassie still kind of harbors some uh sadness for what uh, for cole killing aaron despite what aaron did um you know there's there's you know Cassie being trained by Deacon and then her very much 
uh, trying to take out Jennifer, and then you had the guns pointed, you know, Cole and Jennifer had the guns pointed, you know, you had a lot of things that have really messed up the relationship. I mean, even when they went back to 1944, uh, and, and even moments in 2016, when there were times where they had to team up, they were just, you know, they were on the same page for what they needed to do, but there was just something missing from them that they had kind of developed over the course of season one. And, you know, they finally kind of have this really tender moment between them when they're watching Katarina and they're talking about her. And, and it even builds to them kind of joining hands for a very brief moment. And they're, they're you know, Cassie says something like, you know, we're going to lose a lot of people going forward. They're, they're very much accepting that with trying to save the future, they're going to lose people along the way. Whether it's each other, whether it's people they they love, other people that that are in the picture, they're they're coming to terms with the inevitability of of, of just losing people, and and just as it seems like they're about to come together in some way, or you know everything's going to be fine, uh, Cassie pulls back and she says, "This can't happen," um, which I'm sure struck into the heart of a lot of Cassie coal shippers. Um, because, you know, I mean, they just, they go together so well. Um, but Lorna, what did you think of, of that? I mean, do you think they're really done? Do you think that maybe Cassie is doing this to protect herself or even Cole? You know, that was really disappointing because the whole point of the episode was to restore hope. And the fact that the hope wasn't restored for Cassie and Cole was really painful and, you know, I don't like to believe that, that like, the writers on the show would just intentionally draw this out in one of those will they or won't they, you know, kind of tropes of television. But I think, you know, we saw Ramsey and Cassie at the very end of the episode. And essentially, Ramsey wanted to kill her. Yeah. She was like, no, we're going to go find the witness. I think that's why she pushed Cole away, because she knows she's going on a suicide mission. Like, you don't just decide to go after the witness and expect to come back from it. Mm -hmm. And so I think instead of, like, you know, having this kind of uh, intense, you know, whether they kissed or whether they whatever, you know, consummated their relationship, like, before she left and kind of like a hero moment, you know, I think it would have been more painful painful for her if she had let that happen and then like leave Cole in the middle of the night to go find mm -hmm. the witness. Okay. So I, I think like it was painful to watch, but I understand Cassie's motivation in that like if she's really going to go after the witness that she doesn't want Cole to suffer even more if he loses her. So she'd rather just leave without him. Yeah. I, I do agree with you that, you know, this episode did build up hope again. You know, it, it seemed like everything was going to be fine. And then, no, we can't have Cassie and Cole go back together. No, that's not what we were going to do at all. I felt like I was watching the Flash finale all over again. Oh, Barry came to terms with his mom's death. Nope, never mind. Flashpoint. Okay. <laughs> nope, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> never mind. Flashpoint. Here we go. Season three. Okay, um, that's a story for another time. But um, but no, I mean, it's, it's, it is disappointing to see that that's where it went. But it did lead, like you said, to the following scene with Ramsey. I mean, he was there ready to kill Cassie. You know, I we talked about this last week about how Ramsey, you know, can't see past uh, the fact that, you know, uh, Cassie was mind controlled, and 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 Ramsey just is so so pent up with anger 
that he's done everything for his son and his son's gone now. He has nothing left to live for, nothing. So he's there. He even says, I got two bullets here, one for you, one for me. He's ready to just kill her, kill himself, just end that just completely. Just just right before that, you know, she's able to talk him down. She says, no, you know, the witness is responsible for everything happening. And I know where we can go find him. I've seen it. I've seen this city called Titan. I know we can go back. We can go kill him. And she's able to talk him down. What did you think of that scene? Did you think there was any chance that Ramsey was actually going to kill Cassie? I think he would have. I think we've seen what Ramsey's capable of when he has nothing left. And I think he would have. I think he really would have. But I'm glad that the second she said, like the second she turned the table, shifted the blame essentially and said, this is the witness's fault. I love that Ramsey didn't try to fight her, that he didn't try to hurt her, that he was like, okay, you're right. Let's go. I think it would have been, I think it would have, the scene would have been too long if like, he had been like, no, it wasn't the witness, it was you, it was you the whole time. I'm glad that he was able to just accept the fact that it really was the witness. And, you know, we talked about this last week when Hank was on the idea that maybe his son has something to do with the witness. And I remember Olivia, earlier on in the season, she said something like, maybe it was even at the end of last season, like, your love for your son is well-documented throughout time. Ooh. Something like that. I forgot about that. Right? Oh, man. <laughs> so now I really want to know where this is all going. Because it feels like they've been building in some layers to this that maybe I hadn't noticed before. Oh, man. I forgot about her saying that to Ramsey. Because it would make sense. I mean, you know... Our theory, obviously, is, is well, at least what, uh, you know, I mean, Hank had said, you know, and, and kind of blew Lauren's mind a little bit was Sam could potentially be the witness. And it makes so much sense with what you just said, Lauren, because of what Olivia told Ramsey, you know, and it's like, why would they know about things like that? Why would they know? Because those are very intimate details. And, you know, what kind of part does that play? I mean, just going really quickly back to last week when, when you know, you see a hand pop out to to take uh, Sam away. I was wait, you know, I, you know, they didn't, we obviously didn't see anything, but I was waiting for it to be the man in the black hat. I was waiting for it to be him. Maybe because I was, because at that moment when all that happened, it just kind of clicked that maybe it could be Sam. I really wanted it to be Sam at that moment. But, um, but just, yeah, I mean, I wonder... I wonder if that does play a huge role in, in Sam either being the witness or being being a bigger part of this. I mean, I mean going forward, I mean, do you think it's just going to be a, a Ramsey and and Cassie uh, going off to to kill the witness in Titan type thing? Um, I think that I think they're going to leave for. I, yeah, I think they're going to leave to go find the witness. And then Deacon and Cole are going to have to go after them. Because hmm. now, you know, obviously we've been building up throughout the season that Deacon has very intense feelings for Cassandra. Yeah. And that Cole has feelings for Cassandra, but he also loves Ramsey as his brother. And so I think we may be going on a road trip next <laughs> week. 
Another road trip. Those are always yeah. fun. <laughs> but if it has something to do with hyenas and Jennifer Goins knows about it from before 2020, then at some point they are going to have to splinter back. But I don't know when or where they'd have to splinter back to. The other thing I keep wondering about is that Cassandra Rayleigh is still supposed to die in like 2017. And she's supposed to send that message from the CDC. And like, didn't we watch like Cole? Like she, like Cole died, like not died. Like Cole was there when she died last season. And yet we haven't, we haven't sent her back to that time yet. So Mm -hmm. like, I'm wondering what's ahead for Cassie and, you know, I have a feeling that if they get to the witness and the witness is revealed, then all bets are off. But I don't know what that means for the rest of the season. And I don't know how they can fix time unless they restore the primaries to wherever they were killed. Oh, man. You know, I, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, with everything happening, we just talked about Ramsey and, and Jennifer and, and uh, Cassie and what they plan to do next. Uh I feel like kind of lost in this is, is Cole a little bit. What do you think is he's going to do from here? You know, he, we, you know, you just said he has such strong feelings for Cassie and for, for Ramsey. You know, the, these are very two, two very important people to him. You know, do you think he's going to, can he let his love for Cassie just, can he put it aside and just stick to what he's doing? Cause he even said, you know, everything he's been doing is to send her back or, or to get her back to what where she needs to be. I mean, what do you think is in store for Cole? I think he would do anything for her. And, you know, at this point, we know that the plague still happens, so they still have to solve that problem. And so maybe once they solve the time problem, they can go back to save the plague program pro, uh, problem because he wants to give Cassie her life back. And I don't know if at the end of all this, you know, five seasons down the road, if he'll never approach her in her car like he was apologizing for in this episode. If, you know, he'll never rope her into everything. If they'll be able to stop the plague, even from its inception. What would be sad about that is that Cassie would be her age and that Cole would be like, 12 so they couldn't really be together in that timeline so i don't really know what's ahead for cole at this point yeah it's um man it's it's i feel like every time we figure out something there's something else thrown into the fire that that makes us question like what's gonna happen next and what's in store for these characters because they've they've all taken such an emotional toll uh or or what's going on is taking such an emotional toll on them that you don't know what they're going to do next. You know, we knew Ramsey was going to leave. We didn't, or, or we saw him leave. We knew he could come back. He's motivated clearly by loss of his son. Um, and, and, you know, he blames Cassie and Katarina for it, but then he's quickly talked down to go after the witness, the guy who's behind everything is pulling the strings. So, I mean, you don't know where it's going to go from here. And that's one of the beauties of the show. And, and, what they've done is such a good job of, of, of handling is, is, you know, making us wonder what's going to happen next, you know, what's in store. So, um, you know, before we, we wrap this episode up, uh, did you want to share anything else that you liked about this episode? Um, yeah, I think, you know, I mentioned it before. I love, you know, like you said, how much it's like that Star Trek episode cause and effect, you know, if anyone isn't familiar, I think you can go on Netflix 
uh, Star Trek TNG season five cause and effect. And then, you know, edge of tomorrow, it's so much like that. And it's fun to see that kind of storytelling, even just spread out over one episode. And I love that Jennifer got to be around. I'm excited for the hyenas, whatever that could mean. And yeah, I mean, at this point, I feel like we've really reached like the point of no return. Like we, We've seen them time travel. We've seen Cole and Ramsey and Cassandra all splinter. We know what the primaries are. We kind of know what Jennifer's strengths and gifts are. We know that her death is approaching. And I feel like now, like, we're, we're heading into the last five episodes, which to me, they feel like very what's the word like very serious mm-hmm. like we're heading into some really serious territory because at this point i don't think jones even knows where to send anybody mm-hmm. because like the primaries are stable in their timeline they can't save the primaries who already died so really the only course of action is to go find the witness and to like figure out what their next step is so i'm excited to see where this goes i feel like I have no idea. Like, what's next? I know a lot of these episodes have been two-parters. Like, the time travel ones, you know, have kind of been two-parters. But, like, this, I feel like, is really... Like, we finished, like, the first half of the season, and we're about to go into the second half. And I think it's going to be very different than anything we've seen before. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, like you said, a lot of fun stuff in this first half. In the second half, it is most definitely getting serious. And... I'm excited to see what they have in store because if, if it's anything um, on emotional level that we've seen these last two episodes that were very personal, um, I mean, God, in five episodes, that's going to be nuts. <laughs> um, it's it's going to be intense and, and yeah, just it's it's going to keep us all like on edge, I'm sure, for the next five weeks. So I'm, I have a question for you. Do you think they would reveal the witness at the end of the season or do you think – they would let that hang a little longer. I think they would. I think that if this season, if this season wraps up the red forest storyline and wraps up the destruction of time and all of that gets sorted. And even if they figure out who the witness is per se, I think season three still could be about stopping the plague again because the plague still happens. It just happens a little later. They still need to figure out who sets it off. If it's not Jennifer Goins, you know, is it the guy in the black hat? I think there are still stories to tell, even if we know who the witness is. And it's possible that maybe he isn't in the future. Maybe he's just projecting himself there. Like he was, you know, through the T. I mean, like, it's hard to say how he can know so much about the future and the past at the same time. Maybe there's two of them. Maybe there's more than one. So I feel like even if we get the reveal of who the witness is, there will still be problems to solve that, like, that knowing who the witness is still can't change who causes the plague and things like that. How about you? What do you think? Um... No, I like you. I'm like you. I, I think that they will hold off on, on revealing who the witness is. I can see a scenario, though, where they might tease one of the main characters might get a reveal of who it is. But it'll be one of those off-camera moments where, um, just like when Sam was, was taken by whoever it was, you see a hand or you see uh, – you don't see the face. You know, we see – the characters see the face, but we don't. And, and I could certainly see that as being like a cliffhanger type of thing going on. Um, 
to set up season three. Um, you know, and it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me. Um, but uh, I I would I think I'd prefer that they held off a little bit longer because you know you know we're still waiting to hear if they're gonna get a season three. We hope they do. We really really hope they do. Um, but uh, you know, just following uh, Terry Metalis's timeline. You know, he said that uh, there's a lot of story to tell in interviews. He said he said this, and and I'm excited to see how much more they could explore of this world, of this universe, and and see how much, you know, story they could pull out, how many more relationships they can develop, um, how many more gut-wrenching emotional moments they can have, because it sounds like they could certainly set it up for even more. So to that sense, I would say I would like to see the, the reveal of the witness held off um, till even maybe next season. So, um, that's what I think. But, um, but yeah, this episode was crazy. Another very personal episode, um, amongst, uh, the team, uh, as far as, you know, uh, Katarina seeing her daughter again. Uh, we had the whole cause and effect type of episode like Star Trek going on. Um, Cassie and Cole just letting their feelings all on the table. Um, getting it all out there and then, you know, seeing Ramsey and, and Cassie getting ready to team up to take down the witness. It's, it's going to be very crazy. It's, it's going to be crazy seeing how these last five episodes go. Cause who knows, who knows what's going to happen? Who knows who's going to die? Who's going to live? Um, and if we will indeed get that reveal or if that's going to be held off for a, for a cliffhanger, but, um, Oh man, is there anything else you wanted to, uh, add on about this episode? No, I'm just, I'm really happy for Jones. I think it's a beautiful and just incredibly profound choice that the writers made in bringing Hannah back to life. I would have never have expected that. And I think it's, I just think it was an incredible choice. I mean, I don't think I've been as emotional watching 12 Monkeys any other episode or season as I was watching the end of this and like the way that just they played that scene with like the rising music and you could hear the German lullaby like the episode is called lullaby which is you know very symbolic and like Jones's German singing over the top of that was just so sweeping and then like she embraced her and she hugged her and she like touched her that was like that was something that I didn't know I needed to see (laughs) But I needed to see that. That was so powerful. So I'm I'm excited to see where they take that. And if we get to see Hannah join the show as a series regular or like where they're going to go with that, I'm interested to find out. You know, I wanted to, to tell you this, Lauren, and this is maybe me playing a little bit of, of uh, devil's advocate. But when the, in that scene, when they're in that moment, really nice with, with Katarina and her daughter, Hannah. I was really hoping it would stay like that. And, and I say that because, um, you know, last week even Hank was saying, you know, the writers do a good job of building up something and making us feel like this is what they're planning to do. And then they flip the script on us. And I was really, I, I, in the back of my head, and maybe this is the, this is kind of the, the, the worried part of me, um, when it comes to a TV show and characters as I was really hoping there wasn't going to be some sort of a script flip and we'd have like a Kylo Ren Han Solo moment. I'm like, don't trick me. Like, just let me have this moment and with Katarina and, and her daughter and let's not have anything go really bad. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I don't think that would happen. I mean, that would literally dash all the hope and oh, that would be, that'd I mean, be, yeah. no, I, would, I would not be here for that. <laughs> oh, I'm just like, I, 
Oh man, that that talk about how much TV's damaged me. That's 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 just was in the back of my head, but but we did get the happy ending. We did get to see uh, Katarina uh, restored, faith restored, hope restored, and and we can only hope that moving forward that it, it maintains and and we get some more clarity with this story. So that is gonna do it for our show. Um, like I said, we we. Do our best to break it down and get into speculation and, and, and wonder who the witness is. And, and going forward, it's going to be crazy as we end uh, the second season. So, um, Lauren, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you? Yeah, you guys can find me on Twitter at Lauren Galloway. You can also find me contributing to comicbookresources.com. And a lot of the podcasts that I participate in, Legends of Tomorrow and The Flash, are on hiatus for the summer. You know, we'll be doing some special episodes, maybe talking about that crazy Flash ending, maybe talking about DC Rebirth, maybe talking about, you know, Flashpoint Paradox. So you can find all of our Flash podcasts stuff at the flash podcast on twitter and the legends of tomorrow podcast at legends underscore podcast awesome and like she said go check those out awesome shows um you can find me at pacing pete on twitter you can find this show under scene and nerd on twitter uh go to the gww you will find all our previous uh podcasts there and that's where you can find all the new uh 12 monkeys uh after shows at uh like i said we can We'll do our best to break this all down for you uh, so you can just kind of sit back and have your own therapeutic moment as we just talk your ear off about all things 12 Monkeys. That is going to do it for our show. Uh, Till next time, we'll see you next week. This has been a production of the GWW Radio Network. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Also, check out Geeks Worldwide at thegww.com for all the latest news, reviews, and opinions on video games, comics, movies, TV, cosplay, and more. Geeks, assemble!